Howdy, howdy, do who fans, and welcome to the Big Blue Box Podcast. My name's Gary. My name's Adam. And this is episode 281. Yes. One day, I shall come back. Yes, I shall come back. Until then, there must be no regrets, no tears, no anxieties. Just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that I am not mistaken in mine. Our lives are different to anybody else's. That's the exciting thing. Nobody in the universe can do what we're doing. I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems on a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor. For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour. And I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect. But actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. (laughs) I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy, howdy, do. Welcome back, Who fans, to the Big Blue Box podcast for another week. This is episode 281. It's glad to have you all aboard. Hope you're all well, keeping safe and healthy. You've had a cracking week and you've all managed to do something, something Doctor Who Doctor. related. Related. <laughs> related. 281, bud. Yep. Another week, another show. I suppose, you're better, round. suppose you're better do another one. Better do another one until we decide not to. Yeah, we'll I go can, on forever. Can't be bothered this week, mate. No, I'm we'll joking, be putting our seats in at a hundred. Guard, get the old podcast recorded. <laughs> <laughs> oh God, we'll have to pause every five minutes to go to the toilet. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Unless we get the old incontinent pads out, we'll be right. Oh no. <laughs> <laughs> oh god all oh, right so yes welcome back everybody welcome back to uh long time listeners the old grizzled ancients welcome bo- aboard yeah. once again and any new listeners that have jumped into the tardis to uh to give us a listen thank you very much for checking us out very much appreciated uh, it's been a bit of a fairly quiet week dude for all concerned i don't know if you've been up to much doctor who stuff have you done anything doctor who um, yeah, not, not too bad actually for me this week. Oh, here, um, we go. here we go. No, no, not bad at all. So I had a couple of little, nice little deliveries this morning, uh, which is great. I always love it when on my, on my day off, if, um, if I've been expecting something and it hasn't turned up, um, I'm sort of at the door waiting, if you know what I mean, I'm like, come on. So yeah, I saw everyone's been getting their, um, 
Dalek sets. The, the what's, it, what's it called? The Jungle of... I can't pronounce it properly. The blue and silver ones. The blue, oh, silver yeah. and gold. Yeah, Jungles of Mackinans or something. Um, yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah, that one. <laughs> they, I see everyone getting their darts. So I was like, you know, I've been at work last couple of days. Like, where are my blimmin' Daleks? And anyway, they've arrived today and they, they look fantastic. Uh, they look great. Been taking lots of pictures of those this morning. And um, also, um, a vinyl I ordered. Do you remember that nice record day exclusive, record store day exclusive of The Massacre? Yes. The uh, William Hartnell. Hmm. Um, so, you know, it's quite difficult to get because obviously the record store day didn't happen when it was supposed to, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, so a few of the independent stores have put them uh, for sale online. And I, I ordered mine from a local store because um, a lot of people are just selling them crazy prices on eBay. So if I can actually get it from an independent shop, I'd much rather, you know, hmm. get it from where I'm supposed to get it from and for the, you know, the retail price. So that turned up today as well. And it's uh, it's really nice. Um <laughs> I, it did take a, a little while to get it because I was going, where's that blimmin' record? You know, so yeah, it's all turned up today. So nice. that was nice. But um, <laughs> but apart from just splashing the cash, uh, I have managed to fit in a bit of um, Big Finish this week. Oh, cool. Or last week. I've lost track of the days. This week, last week. Uh, so I listened to Out of Time. You know, the David Tennant mm-hmm. and Tom Baker story that just got released? Nice. Yeah. Um, have you listened to it yet? No, not yet. No. I loved it. It's a good one. And I, and I think you'll love it as well, because I know how much you like Tenant. It sounds strange. So I think it was released, oh, maybe two weeks ago now, wasn't it? Um, About and I, yeah. Yeah, there's been quite a big build-up to it. And I, although I was looking forward to listening to it, I, I thought it was going to be gimmicky, because you've got sort of two of the most popular doctors. And I was just expecting it to be a little bit throwaway, if you know what I mean. So I was really pleasantly surprised um, how much I enjoyed it. It is just so much fun and Tennant I've got to say he you know how some actors just although they're great on audio you sort of they they almost give a sort of audio performance Tennant just sounds like he could have been recorded off the tv his it's very hard for me to explain but hopefully you know what I mean his delivery is exactly the same as as when he's actually on tv playing the doctor he's just absolutely slipped back into that role um and uh him and tom together were brilliant there's some really nice moments and and the store is really good as well i i know i sound surprised i just assumed it was going to be yeah you know it'll be 10 and 4 together and it'll be jokes and you know it'll be a real sort of light story and it's 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 much more to it i really really enjoyed it i was very very pleasantly surprised by it and i just know you'll love it because you like Tenon so much i just know that you'll absolutely love it when you get around to listen to it uh, so I listened to that. And the only other thing I've done, and I'm hoping you've read this, is, but I don't know if you have, is I've just finished reading the first Time Lord Victorious comic. So issue one came out uh, for this week, is it? Last week? Yeah. What did you think? Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... it's I, I did, again, I enjoyed it, but I wasn't expecting it to start because I thought this is sort of going to be a new standalone thing and it's all very... 10th Doctor orientated, it seems. Um, mm-hmm. So I wasn't expecting to open the first page of the comic and it to say previously and have this, and it sort of starts, it picks up from a story where 10 and 13 have met. Um, so it sort of picks up from there, and I was thinking that it's through me because I haven't read that, mm-hmm. you know, the last batch of comics with 10 and 13. So I was hoping this would just be like a sort of a total starting from fresh, let's go into Time of Victorious thing. So that's thrown me a bit. 
because um, I don't really know what it's picking up from, if you know what I mean. So I might have to go back and read that. But yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was quite good. Have you read it yet? Not yet, mate. Nope. No, I'm really, very interested to hear your thoughts on it. I mean, as the comics go, it's um, a really nice start to the story. Again, I'm very confused by the whole time of Victoria's timeline thing. So I don't even know if this is the first part or if I'm supposed to have read something before it. I don't know. I just assume being issue one, this would be the place to start. But yeah, I'm a little bit confused by that. But yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's, it's gone in a slightly new direction. Um, interested to see where it goes this is obviously going to be a massive thing isn't it kind of victorious but uh, yeah yeah i'd say so hmm. um yeah i should have it read mate by the time we record next week yeah i'd just be interested yeah. to hear your your thoughts on that one yeah mm. it's nice um it's nice the artwork and stuff's really nice decided I, I can't fault that at all uh, it looks really good um yeah interesting start anyway yes yeah so i think that's called what's the actual story oh no that's um Ah, uh, see, this is where I got confused because yeah, I was like, oh, is this the, you know, because on the back it's got this sort of timeline thing of the whole time of Victorious. And I was like, well, what, where is this comic on this timeline? This is the other thing. <laughs> Being colorblind. <laughs> so on this graph on the back, which shows all the time of Victorious releases, they're all, they've all got a circle around them in different colors. And at the bottom, it's got a, um, it tells you what each of those colors are. So if it's a, Red color, for example, I think it's a comic. If it's a yellow, it's an audio, for example. That's, mm -hmm. you know. But I can't see reds, browns, and greens, so I don't know what they are. <laughs> it's really confusing to me. I can't tell the difference between the colors. Yeah, so I I'm looking at it thinking, you know, is this a book that's coming out next? Is this an I just can't tell. Yeah, yeah. So I think, um, yeah, it's weird. So there, there, there's a story that, that um that dropped wasn't there called echoes of extinction uh which was a eighth doctor and tenth doctor story that, where's that that then that is a comic echoes of extinction oh. and then there's a, a that feeds into the whole eighth doctor part of the journey into the whole story arc which that then so there's a, a, a mcgann story um which is a comic called he kills me. He kills me. Not remember we covered that as a preview. Yeah. So that then feeds into the next comic, the enemy of my enemy. That then feeds into number one of what you've just read, Defender of the Daleks, issue number one. So where, where's that McGann comic? So the McGann comic apparently, Echoes of Extinction. Um, it was a, a big finish story. Uh, which I don't think is out yet. I think that's coming that's, out. That's what's thrown me. I don't think they're out yet. No. So yeah, yeah. It's already the timelines got mixed. Yes, yeah. So the the big finish story I think is out early December. I think that then leads into the comic from again, or the next two comics, or even the next two big finish stories. I can't remember. They then feed into issue number one of the comics. So <laughs> it's a bit timey wimey, dude. It's a little bit um. God, I bet Stephen Moffat would love this. <laughs> oh, I, I bet he's all over this. This is his cup of tea, <laughs> <Yeah>. isn't it? <laughs> it's making my head hurt. Yeah. Um, there's a really good resource, actually. Um, uh, the, the dude's over at bloggertohu.com. Oh, yeah. Put together this really nice sort of infographic-y map 
timeline thing with a nice checklist of all the things you need to do to read or watch or listen to to get through the story so i'm oh. just yeah i'm trying to recall from memory what those things were but i'm pretty sure the reason why issue number one kicks off with the 10th doctor and the 8th doctor meeting before or the 13th doctor before is because it, it feeds from another story previous to that oh i get you right okay yes yeah i mean i'm hoping it doesn't matter because this this multi-platform thing there's so many bits you've got a you know interact with or read or listen to but i'm hoping you can enjoy it if you haven't read every single bit of it i mean i'm sure mm. i'm hoping there's a you know it has a certain amount of standalone to it to be able to enjoy it because um i don't want to get too lost in this i think yeah i think some of it will <laughs> some of it will yeah yes anything else dude you've been up to not really no i mean just talking to do in my head in it's not dot two related but i did go and see tenet the other day, which I still in my head always sit <laughs> every time I say it, I think of David Tennant. It's nothing to do with him. Tennant, the new um, what's the name Nolan film oh, that yeah. completely. Ju- I mean, oh, if you think the title of Victorious is complicated, um, Tennant is just <laughs> that with the cherry on top. Um, <laughs> I enjoyed it, but I've absolutely no idea what it was about. Again, I can just imagine Stephen Moffat at the back of the cinema, like that was perfection. I understood it. <laughs> I understood yeah. it from start to finish because it is very, um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. But apart from going to cinema to see that and listen to Big Finish and reading the comic, uh, that's and working. That's been pretty much my week actually. But it has been a good week. Yes, good. I feel like I've crammed uh, a little bit of info into my brain this week. Yeah, good, good, good. Yeah. Yep. yeah. Yes, but good. yeah, I really want you to listen to that audio. I, I just all the way through, I kept thinking, Gary's gonna love it. It's so much fun. I um, yeah, really want you to get into that one. <laughs> yes, I've got it delivered. I've got it here. It's, yeah, uh, yeah, get it on when you get a spare chance. It's an hour yeah. as well. It's a nice. That's the other thing. It's a nice, just little fifty-minute mm-hmm. whatever hour story. Yeah, perfect. Cool. Go and do a bit of ironing. Bit of ironing. <laughs> that's, <laughs> norm- that's normally when I listen to my big finishes when I'm doing the ironing. Oh, yeah. Because I don't drive. I know a lot of people listen to me in their car, don't they? But I don't drive, so, yeah. Yeah, true. So what have you been up to? What have I been up to? So I've had a bit of a uh, a bit of a first Doctor Hartnell binge, mate. Oh, good. I love Hartnell. Well, I say a binge officially with the, um, with the story. So what it was, I was looking through, well, me and the missus were looking through for something to watch the other night because we did that thing where, Netflix has sort of run dry a little bit. We've watched a bunch of stuff on there. And uh, we get Amazon Prime just because you get it, you know, the Amazon Prime video library. Just because we're Prime members anyway. So I'd look through there and I've noticed that they've got every single series of, you know, those uh, documentaries they put out on DVD. They're called The Doctors. Oh, yeah. All The Doctors. And then they did The Monsters one and More Monsters and all that lot. Yeah. So they've got every single one of those on Amazon Prime, which is cool. Oh, I didn't know that. Yes. So when the missus went to bed, I jumped on that, obviously. Mm. Uh, oh, I'm feeling a bit tired. Yeah, you should go up to bed, darling. <laughs> you should definitely go to bed if you're feeling tired. Go on. Off you go. Off you go. <laughs> and then uh, and then I stuck this Doctor Hill on straight away. And uh, it's really cool. So what they do is they um, – it's really – the way they've done it is really – digestible because they break it all into chunks so they they treat it as a series if you like so that first dvd um they break it down into chunks and i think there's seven episodes um and they divide it into each of the actors that they've interviewed 
about Hartnell. So um, the first two are quite good. So the first one is uh, like an introductory kind of um, uh, thing. It's about, oh, I don't know, it's about 15 minutes. And it's... Uh, is that with Briggs? Briggs and uh, the other guy who produced it with him. I've uh, forgotten the guy's name. Uh, those two basically telling telling us about how they came about to make the documentary in the first place and how they've added some extra stuff in for these new ones and blah, blah, blah. And then number two, uh, episode two is the William Hartnell years. And that's quite long. That's got like a, a whole slew of interviews with various people like um, Caroline Ford, Peter Purvis and... Um, you know, just a bunch of, of of people there. And then what they do from episode three onwards is they've got all these extended interviews just with that one person. So episode three is Carol Ann Ford. One of them's William Russell. One of them's Jackie Lane, like a load of people. So I'm up to episode four of that at the moment. So that's really cool. And yeah. uh, that then prompted me to just go off and want to watch a little bit of Hartnell. So I watched um, the Aztecs. I haven't seen that in a while. Oh, that's a nice story that, like the Aztecs. Indeedy. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. I've got those. Um, I didn't realize they were on a streaming platform. They are nice. So, so cause I've got the DVDs of those. I think they're just called The Doctors, aren't they? Or something right. like The Doctors. Yeah. And then it's like the William Hartnell years. That's right. Trouton years. Yeah. yeah. They are. Uh, um, they're great little sets, actually. They just basically go, yeah, they used to produce them as, um, what were they called? Not real time. Myth makers. Myth makers. I see. Yeah, yeah. They collected together the interviews from each of those and um, put them into doctor years, which it works really, really well. Yeah. Oh, talking to streaming platforms, you know, what's just been added to Britbox? Something uh, else you've got to watch. I do know. I Blake. knew you were going to be, <laughs> I knew you were going to bring this up. Get it on. <laughs> yep. So, yeah. uh, you I'm, need to fit that into your busy schedule. <laughs> uh, I was going to bring that up actually. Yeah. So from the 10th of September, so tomorrow we're recording this on the 9th, but time you listen to this guys, it will be on there. Yep, all of Blake Seven's going to be in there on there. Uh, they've also added the old, um, you know, the old Avengers series. Oh, have they? Yeah, that's on there as well, along with um, uh, a really old Terry Nation uh, series called Survivors, which I've heard of but not watched before. So I'm going to check that out. That looks pretty good. I yeah, it's funny, isn't it? I've never made it through. I only watched about three episodes of Survivors. I I think because I love Blake Seven so much, I. And I'd heard quite good things about Survivors. Um, I thought, yeah, that's the sort of next set I should buy. And I got it, um, the complete DVD set. But I watched three and it was very bleak. <laughs> um, maybe <laughs> I just wasn't in the mood for it. Um, I don't know. It's, I mean, it's totally different to Blake 7. Maybe I was just expecting something totally different. But I, I couldn't get into Survivors. But so many people love it <laughs> that I, I feel like I must give that another go. Yes. Um, yeah. At some point. Yeah. yeah. I'll give it a go at some point. And uh if you're into David Bowie, uh the man who fell to earth is going to be on there from tomorrow as well. Wow. Oh, it's the cushion movie's been added as was, well. Yeah, I was gonna say that both yeah. of them are coming tomorrow. So both of those, which looks really good. So obviously Doctor Who and the Daleks and then Invasion Earth twenty fifth twenty one fifty AD. So both of those little gems are gonna be on there. So Britbox is looking really sweet at the minute, dude. That is, I mean, that is great. Absolutely great. I've never seen, well, I haven't seen much of the original Avengers either. It's another series that people really, really like. Um, so I'm, mind you, I'm saying this like I've got Brit, but I haven't got Britbox. I don't know why I'm getting <laughs> excited. I haven't got it. But if I did have it, I'd be watching the Avengers. I've got, a little, I've, never, yeah. never I've got a little trick for, for some, if people want to save a bit of cash on Britbox as well. 
So uh, you get a free, you get a one month free trial when you sign up. So if you want to if you want BritBox but just for a few months, then uh, instead of costing what was it five ten fifteen twenty twenty five quid, you can get it for fifteen quid for a few months. So if you you get a, a month free anyway, and then once your first payment comes out. Uh, if you go through the website and try to cancel your subscription, they'll say, hold on a minute. We don't want to see you go. How would you like three months worth of BritBox for a tenner? Mm. So, yeah, I'll have a bit of that. That's and then, a little uh, handy tip. Yeah. So then, uh, okay. so I'm paid up until the end of the year. It cost me a tenner. Fantastic. So anyone wants to try BritBox for a while and doesn't want to splash too much cash because there's some really, obviously the whole classic Who library is on there. Yeah, as well as a bunch of... Uh, documentaries and Sarah Jane and K9 and all that jazz. Yeah. But now the cushion movies are on there and all so they've just recently gone through a, a phase of adding loads of really cool classic sci-fi as well. It's really cool. I'm glad they've added the um cushion movies because I mm. really like them. Especially the second one. I love that Dalek Invasion Earth. Just absolutely glorious. Yeah, yeah. That's really good stuff, isn't it? It's cool, yeah. So other than that, mate, I'm watching a bit of Hartnell, I've not uh I've not done anything else here. I need to read the comics, as you said. Uh, I'll have them read at the weekend. And uh, Yeah. Yes. That's about it, about it, mate, for me. Which um, cover variants did you get in the end for the title of the Taurus? Oh, I got two of them. I got the... Oh, crikey. They're downstairs. Yeah, I know you got the um, Lee Binding one. Uh, no, I didn't. No. Oh, you didn't? Oh. No. Um, I... Oh, no. Did you get the big bulbous Dalek head? Yes. Uh, yes. I got that one and then another one. It's just got Tenant on the front. It looks like a classic sort of comic-y, cartoony style. Yeah, I know, with uh, the Daleks behind him. And that's stuff, the one, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I, uh, well, I got those two as well, but I did get the Lee Binding one as well. So I got I, I got three variants for issue one. I'm not going to get three for all of them because <laughs> uh, it's ridiculous. But yeah, um, it's weird though, because I could have swore that I ordered, there's one with just the Dalek on it. I could have swore I ordered that instead of the one that you were talking about with well, the Doctor in the middle of the Daleks, but anyway, yeah. Actually, I think you did. You did tell us that last week or the week before when you. Yeah, I reckon them, they yeah. might have sent me the wrong one, but I'm happy enough with it. They they are quite nice variants. Yeah. So I got um, uh, I got the cover B. Sorry, uh, I got yeah cover B, um, and cover C, are the yeah. two variants I got. Yeah, uh, and then for issue two, I got the um cover b which is the photo which is the big bulbous dalek on the front yeah, the big you know bulbous. Uh, and then the other one which is cover a which is the andy tong one which is just tenant in amongst a bunch of other daleks and stuff and yes when are they yeah. actually issue two is that are they monthly or fortnightly um i think oh it's monthly. when's it out 7th of october so monthly then yep yeah monthly okay yeah yeah yeah, yeah. in fact yeah i don't know i might cancel yeah, uh, the issue two pre-order. Why? And just get oh, the, you're going to get the whole lot. Just get the tray paper. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. Actually, no, because oh, I don't know. Ah, screw it. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. I'll leave it. <laughs> it's quite nice yes. when it arrives. Like I saw the little. I love the Forbidden Planet. Um, you know, like the comic books that they send them in in the post, like the red and red and black oh, yeah. packaging. Yeah. So as soon as that comes through letterbox, you're like, ah, I know what this is. <laughs> so that's quite nice. Yeah, that is a good feeling actually. Yeah. Mail call. Mail call. <laughs> right that's it that's what we've been up to uh we're going to crack on with the rest of the show we haven't got any merch to go through we've got one piece of news related to the time lord victoria stuff and then we're going to crack on with our review of the third doctor story terror of the autons 
not the terror of the Autons, I might add. I've had to correct a few people very pretentiously on Twitter. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so before we get on with all that, though, remember to subscribe to our show on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on. Just do a search for the Big Blue Box podcast or go to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. There are links to all of the podcast apps over there. And if you've got a minute to leave us a review or a rating, that would be lovely because that helps us out lots and lots. We're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Links on the website where I've got a free Discord server as well. Link is on the website. And remember to check out all of my co-hosts content over on YouTube. His channel is called The Geek's Handbag. Indeed. Indeed. And he's on the socials too, under the same name, The Geek's Handbag. Give us a like and a follow because we chat plenty of Doctor Who throughout the week. Yes. Right, buddy. Shall we land it and do a wee bit of news? Yeah, okay. So, related to the Time Lord Victorious stuff, uh, is the final piece of the puzzle. You'll be glad to know, buddy. Yeah. For the whole thing. So BBC Studios have announced that, uh, and they are, I'm quoting them here, that the final missing piece in the Doctor Who Time Lord Victorious will be a five-part CGI animated story that will launch in November. This No, dude, I'm confused as hell by this. You're confused? Yes. Don't look to me for answers. I'm lost. Yeah. So this is a story, this is a, a mini series, five parts, and it's just called Daleks, exclamation uh-huh. mark, right? It's just called Daleks. And it's part of the Time Lord Victorious arc. But it's still going to be really timey-wimey because we know that some of the latter things that are coming out later on in the year, like uh, the final two or three big finished stories, one of the books and I think a couple of the comics, they're not out until December. Yet this is meant to be like the closing bit of the story to close everything out. And this is out in November. So it's going to land before some of the other stories, which is weird, dude. So I'm a bit, they have to be careful with this though. I must admit, because although it's really cool, really, really cool that they've got this multimedia story arc and, you know, it's all kind of, you know, interwoven across mediums and stuff. It's great. It's very cool. But already there are, there are just certain threads that, you just have to really pay attention to now for the casual listener or for the, the sort of doctor who fan that's kind of been lurking around for a few years, not really deciding on whether to dive into big finish or not. Hasn't picked up any books or comics has watched the odd program. If they're thinking of diving into doctor who they're just going to be completely like you and I, who obviously, uh, watch and read and do plenty of doctor who stuff every single week Mm. and i'd like to think that we have a fairly good grasp on on what's happening in the world of doctor who um and i'm sure a lot of other podcasters and content creators are hopefully feeling a similar thing where it's like even uh, even we're like well what the bloody hell does this mean and where does it link to and what does that bit mean for that and so it is very timey-wimey i must admit and it's a bit um yeah, I'm just not sure where, I'm not sure how to watch this really. Like, am I, am I cool to watch this when it lands on the, um, uh, in November? And yeah. It, and it's not going to spoil anything for the other things that have still 
yet to land after that? Or do I have to not watch this, listen to the remaining big finish and read the last book, whatever, and then watch this at the very end? I'm really not sure. So just keep that in mind, dudes. It, it, It does launch in November, apparently. And it's apparently the final chapter of the Time Lord Victorious. But anyway, they're five 10 minute animated features and they've got a star studded cast, apparently featuring Nicholas Briggs, obviously, as the voice of the Daleks. Yep. Uh, Joe Shug. You know who Joe Shug is, right? Yeah. Me either. Oh, good. I thought, oh, thank God. I thought yeah. you were being, I was thinking, no, never heard of it. Me either. The vo- YouTube the, the... and Strictly Come Dancing. Yeah, so the name rang a bell, but I couldn't place the face. And when I uh, looked it up very quickly, I remember when uh, when the wife was watching Strictly, was it last year or the year before? He was on there. Anyway, he's a YouTuber. That's his career. He does YouTube. Okay. Yeah. Right. So he's one of the voices. Uh, we've got uh, Anjali Mahindra from Terry The Rani. Oh, no, Rani. Oh, crikey. And... Mm. Uh, uh, Aisha Antoine, apparently, from Holby City. So there's your star-studded cast. And um, a couple of little uh, you know, quotes from these people. So Nick Briggs says, uh, the latest fantastic thrill-packed adventure into the world. Look, Nick, you don't have to sell it in, mate. You don't have to put the hard sell <laughs> you on. Know he has to. You know he's got to. So he says, this latest fantastic thrill-packed adventure into the world of animation with the Daleks as the stars of the show, is something so many of us have been craving for years. And for me, it's been a marvellous challenge, as usual, playing every single Dalek in action, but with the added excitement of portraying some beautifully written leading Dalek characters. It's been a blast, and I can't wait to see the finished production. Joe Shug says, I'm super excited and thankful to have been invited to play a role in this new animation. I've been a fan of Doctor Who from a young age, so to be part of it is a dream come true. That's a lie. Anjali Mohindra <laughs> says, when I saw this series about those I, about those iconic villains, I knew I was going to be one hell of a ride and I couldn't wait to sign up. I had so much fun being thrown into the wonderfully weird world of remote recording and so thrilled I was able to, put, uh, to be part of something and feel so special. That is true. Uh, Aisha Antoine says, I have never been more fascinated to see the final product of a show. That's a lie. To be a part of the animated story of these iconic baddies is really special. The recording session was a whole new adventure, another surreal moment to add to the growing list from 2020. So a couple of people there who were just playing the game, you know what it's all about. So if I was an actor, if if I was to change my profession next week, I went for a uh, an audition and I got the thing and it was this about a film and a book that's been out for donkey's years that I've never read or never seen obviously when i'm doing my interviews i'm like yeah i've been a huge fan of so and so like my <laughs> my entire life i've always been a massive fan it's an honor yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Uh, so there's just there's your cast mate and then um uh, and then just finally it's written by james goss and um it's part of the bbc studios digital production there's a trailer that's been out it's about uh 20 seconds uh, it tells you nothing it's just a few Daleks flying through space, and that's your lot. So that's it, mate. Daleks gonna cl- gonna close out the story. Apparently, <laughs> you've really sold it. Um, <laughs> yeah, no, I I'm kind of glad this. I'm glad we're recording in the afternoon because this literally dropped um, about an hour before we start recording. I think it's uh, it's good to be able to talk about it um, on this week's show. I just hope that when they started this plotting the whole time of the victorious thing, that they actually 
have thought it through and not just rush this out because like you said it's starting to feel like hang on is this is this supposed to be out now before that and same with the first issue coming out before the big finish and it's starting to feel a little confusing i'm just hoping it's all meant to be um how does this compare to the star wars multi-platform thing because they did they did it didn't they quite successfully um, or was it something else what was the other one that i remember when this first got announced you were saying that um I thought it was Star Wars had already done this sort of multi-platform thing. Or was Not it something quite, Yeah, yeah. So that was something called The High Republic, which is a story based around a certain era of Star Wars, way before um, the Skywalker stuff. But that's been delayed and delayed. So um, I oh, think the right. first couple of books for that are coming out uh, in a couple of months' time, maybe. But that's also going to be across comics and something else. Yeah. Oh, I see. So that's still to go. I just wondered how it compared, you know, to this sort of thing, because um, I'm just hoping they know what they're doing, basically, because uh, it, it does sound like the sort of thing that if it works properly, could be really good. And one of the reasons I was asking if you'd read the comic yet and stuff is because I feel like because it's being released in stages, it's quite nice um, for everyone to dip in at the same time and share their opinions on it and stuff and, and that sort of thing. So in that sense, I hope it works because it'd be nice to chat with other fans of, oh, if you've seen the new animation yet have you read the next comic have you have you picked up the audio yet is that a good story you know what i mean i'm hoping we can all as fans really get into this series and experience each thing as it's released but that enjoyment might be hindered if it's um skew if and it's all gone a bit to pot i don't know but as going back to this animation thing um yeah i, I hate to be negative but the animation looks rubbish um <laughs> It looks really cheap. I'm just, the thing is, it is free. So I, I, you know, I don't mean to be cruel because it's a free thing and I'm sure it's going to be lovely. You know what I mean? I'm sure it's going to be a really cool little five part thing. So I don't mean to be rude or bash it or whatever. But my first thoughts when I saw that trailer was, is this the finished product? Because like in this day and age, that is pretty shoddy CGI. Uh, Do you call it CGI? Yeah, CGI. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, I don't know. I just wasn't very impressed with the trailer, to be honest with you. But I'm I'm going to put that aside because if it's a good little story or whatever, that really doesn't matter. I mean, you know, it won't bother me any less than any more rather than if I'm watching a, an old Doctor Who with the pitch quality is bad. It's just, you know, the stories are more important. But um, yeah, if I'm being absolutely honest, my very first thoughts to watch the trailer was, blimey, yeah, yeah it's a bit ropey. Mm-hmm. Like the, the actual CGI is a bit ropey. But anyway, yeah, yeah I, I I'm still quite excited for it. I think it'll be a pretty cool little thing to to be able to watch. Yeah, yeah, I think so, mate. And I think, uh, like you said, uh, it's it's difficult to be, um, what's the word? It's difficult to sort of lay a lot of judgment and stuff because it's this whole arc has literally just kicked off. But yeah, I just feel like. <sighs> You know, if they have to explain everything with infographics and timelines and stuff, then uh, I don't know, man. So you're not convinced. Well, <laughs> yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. I am. I'm, I'm up for it, obviously. I think it's going to be cool. But yeah, I've just I just worry that we're going to we're going to get into because it's OK at the moment because um, what is it now? Second September. So. Oh god, they've added something else to this now. Oh, for frick's oh. sake! So the the timeline that's on the official <laughs> Time Lord Victorious website. It's um so in September we've got 
Um, see, this is weird. What's going on? Is this just dropped? So, I've not heard of this before. So, apparently, the Time Lord Victorious thing kicks off available now called A Dalek Awakens, which is a live experience as part of the UK. Well, what? What's that then? That's not the thing we talked about the other week, is it? Is that the interactive show thing? That's not that, is it? I didn't think that was out yet. I thought that was anyway. So what is going on? So apparently you need to go and do that <laughs> My now. My brain hurts. Oh right, I've got okay. I'm just gonna we'll pick up the podcast later, but I'm just gonna do the experience. <laughs> I'm gonna hear I'll a window pop, smash pop. in a minute. He's gonna jump out the bloody window. So <laughs> so apparently you need to do that now. That's out now. And then on the second we had Defender of the Daleks comic book drop. That was that. Uh, apparently the other day, the Doctor Who annual 2021 dropped. There's a Time Lord Victoria section in there you need to read, which I didn't know was on there. And then Doctor Who magazine. This is not the, the official Doctor Who magazine, but a Doctor Who magazine called Monstrous Beauty is going to land next week. And then they haven't added this new Daleks thing in for November. Dude, I don't. This is exactly what I'm talking about. It's all happening. If you can't, if we can't figure this, and I'm not blowing our own trap. Of course I'm not. I'm just saying we're we're into who a lot. But if we can't figure this out, I know there's probably listeners now thinking, what is wrong with you two? It's as simple as ABC. It's just this. But I, I must be missing something here, dude. I cannot join the dots very well with this. <laughs> well, I don't know. I, I'm a bit lost. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, before we lose our minds completely, the five-part animated series, The Dalek, no, sorry, just Daleks, exclamation mark, is out November to finish off the Time Lord Victorious story, but it's not out at the end of when it's all finishing. It's out a couple of months before that. <laughs> <laughs> and that's your lot, mate. That's all your news. Enjoy. Enjoy that, fans. <laughs> just let us... Actually, yeah, this is a plea, a, a plea to all of our listeners. If you could please try and put this thing in a more succinct way that we actually understand how this all links. And we've seen that we've seen the whole big infographic on blog to who seen that get that, but it differs from what the time Lord Victorious infographic is on the official website. And they've added stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know, but that's it. We're not going to do any, any merch because there aren't any. No, there's nothing. There's nothing. Old um, Dalek tats having a nice week off. Indeedy. He'll have a little spring in his step when he comes back next week, oh. if he's got anything next week. No, don't worry about that, mate. Find him something. Can't be sod. Right, anyways. Mm. Review time, bud. Yes. What have we got? Yeah, so uh, a bit of classic who this week. Uh, John Pertwee um, kicking off season eight back in the day with Terror of the Autons. What is a nesting? A nesting is a ruthlessly aggressive, intelligent alien life form. Nestines can put life into anything made of plastic. An old acquaintance arrived on this planet. Who the heck are you? I am usually referred to as the master. I'm your new assistant. Oh, no. Josephine Grant. Report from one of our field sections, sir, Captain Yates. Some kind of sabotage at a radio telescope. Huh? Two of their scientists have disappeared. Something was stolen from the National Space Museum. It was on loan from this HQ. Well, that's the Nestine's energy unit. It should never have left this building. The Master has learnt a great deal since you last met him. I refuse to be worried by a renegade like the Master. 
Death is always more frightening when it strikes invisibly. A wave of sudden deaths all over the home counties. Pause. Asphyxiation, heart failure, shock. Doctor! Miss Grant? Get down, man! Get down! They're autons! Bullets can't stop them! Whoa. That's a good one. God, I love that auton sound, that gun. Mm-hmm. Sound Classic. Effects. Classic, mate. Amazing. Get down, man! Get down! Bullets can't stop them. What a great line. The old brig and the doctor. Can't beat them. No, right. Terror of the Autons. It was first as a four-parter. The first part went out on the 2nd of January, 1971. Oh, wow. And finished up at the end of the month, 23rd of January of the same year. Obviously, it's not that long. Uh, it was written by Robert Holmes, directed by Barry Letts, uncredited, I might add. Overseen by Terence Dix. Stars John Pertwee, obviously, Katie Manning as Joe Grant. And then I'd say about 15 to 20 supporting cast yeah. uh, members. And the story is, so Earth uh, has been, is endangered by the renegade Time Lord known as the Master. Uh, he steals a dormant nesting energy unit from a museum and then reactivates it using the facilities at the classic the now classic location, the radio telescope, uh, and then uses his hypnotic abilities to take control of a small plastics manufacturer, Farrell Autoplastics, where he organises a production of deadly auton artefacts, including dolls, chairs, and daffodils. Uh, He then has an evil scheme to destroy humanity and to silence his old foe, the Doctor, forever. His plans to awaken the awesome power of the Nestines, a ruthlessly aggressive alien life form. Uh, However, the Nestines can control anything made of plastic, including killer autons, plastic mannequins, faceless but possessing shared consciousness. Uh, The autons then form an army uh, for the invasion, easily controlled by the Master. uh, And this is the terrible threat facing Earth. Aided by the Brigadier and by new companion, Joe Grant, only the Third Doctor can can combat their evil power but first he must defeat the master. So that's the synopsis for that one. So Terror of the Autons, wait, I've been looking forward to doing this one for ages for two reasons, really. First one is it feels like we don't get to visit the third doctor that much. Yeah, true. For some reason. Yeah. Mm. Uh, and secondly, um, this one does, um, it, it does normally come up in conversation with people because of the Autons. And because it's Joe Grant's first story and so on. And it's quite early on in Pertwee's era. So it normally ha- it's normally a decent talking point, uh, Series 8. There's a few in there. Um, bear in mind, we've only reviewed two out of the five episodes of Series 8. Yeah. Well, so have we done, um, what is it, Damon's? The Damon's and the Claws of Axos. Oh, Claws of Axos, yeah. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, what do you reckon to... Terror of the Autons. Terror of the Autons. Yeah, I think you're right. It does come up in conversation because obviously you you start talking about oh, which is better, Spearhead or Terror of the Autons, and what you know that sort of thing. Um, but sort of putting that to one side because I, I absolutely love Spearhead. Um, I I don't want to sort of compare the two. I think they're both great stories. Um, I really enjoyed this. I it it's just a brilliant start um, to the season eight. I would just. I mean, I wasn't alive back in what year was this? 
71. 71. 71. But uh, if I was, and this was kicking off a new season of Doctor Who, um, I just think it's epic in its in in its own way for the time back then. Because you know you got the introduction of the Master. I I completely forget that this is his first story. Um, so sort of watching him land uh, in his <laughs> in his uh, mobile home or whatever it is. What is it? He's got this blue truck, blue trailer uh, truck like, thing. Yeah. yeah, the way he just gets out of it and immediately just he, Roger Delgado is just absolutely captivating for the very second he steps out of that thing um and i just think to myself oh yeah of course this is his first story and it's he's just amazing in it um uh, i mean the autons take a bit of a backseat i think that's why when you start to compare it to spearhead you think well then you know this is less of a auton story more of a sort of introduction to the master i think but i don't mind that because i think delgado is so fantastic as the master um, that it's, it's just a really interesting story. I love it. It's, um, it's got great ideas in it, you know, like the, the daffodils and the, the plastic and the way he utilizes it, the way he toys with the doctor all the way through it, setting these little traps, which he knows the doctor's going to get out of. He's really just teasing him all the way through, isn't he? Like the telephone wire and all that sort of stuff. It's, it's brilliant watching those two. Um, I also forget that they don't even get to meet until episode four, um so watching it uh this morning i was like oh yeah we're on episode four they've only just got in the same room they're brilliant together um yeah i really enjoyed it and i it's a lovely introduction to joe grant as well uh one of my favorite companions um she's superb in this the, the way they handle the relationship between the doctor and joe so this sort of friction at the start that he doesn't really want a new assistant he's you know, he's got settled in now in unit. He's got his own little lab. You know, the TARDIS is in the background. <laughs> I love that as well. I just love the fact he's, he's settled into doing what he wants to do and tinkering around. He doesn't need anyone else around him. He's quite sort of um, quite sort of straight about that. And the way that their relationship builds and they become close from what they start, you know, in this story is just brilliant. It, it's just lovely to see that progression of the two characters, the doctor and Joe from the start of the story to where they are at the end of it. Um, they are going to become a fantastic doctor companion, um, relationship. So yeah, it's, it's great. I really, really enjoyed watching this. Really, really enjoyed it. It's, uh, if I had one minor fault really about it, it'd be the, the ending does feel rushed. Um, mm. it just seems to end very quickly. Uh, but it's an action packed ending. I liked it. I still thought, yeah, you know, we're going for it. Here's lots of explosions, a unit getting involved. It, it just seemed to wrap up very quick, but that had been really my only sort of main main criticism with it. I thought it was thoroughly enjoyable. Loved it. Absolutely loved it. Cool, cool. Yeah. What about you? Doctor. Um, hmm. You love it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I actually really like this one, mate. Yeah, it's good, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's really good. Really like this one. Really I think good it's, fun. Um, and it's got a couple of bits in it that, a lot of people don't like what I actually quite like. Um, oh, what? Like what? Yeah, so a lot of people complain about the CSO work in this. There's quite a few scenes where... Uh, well, there's there's two things for it, really. Just very quickly. The first one is the camera's not very well placed for the CSO. So yeah. um, there's a bit where the camera moves and the whole set moves, but the background that's being blue screened in yeah. is obviously static and it looks like kind of weird and also there's a massive amount of like fuzziness and 
blurriness around the people's hair and everything like that. But this is bloody 1971. I mean, that's what makes it so cool to watch, like some of these old Who stories, is that sort of bad special effects and limited budget to do that stuff. I mean, that's what I love about um, a lot of these classic Who stories. Um, but a lot of people can, you know, they... They rubbish all that stuff. It's like, oh, the CSO's awful and it distracts. Oh, it doesn't. It's it's part of that old charm. It's lovely to watch. And um, yeah, and the other thing is, uh, like you said, mate, um, Katie Manning's so good. She's so good. That's one. She's yeah. like, uh, she's got this really good combination of being really sweet and um, just really like, like instantly likable. Yeah. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Just that. Yeah. Even when the doctor's being a bit standoffish, because he's got that. Um, he has this attitude like, oh, I don't need an assistant. And if you are going to get me one, then she has to be like this amazing scientist. And he's very picky and he just doesn't seem very, very happy at all. But then as the story progresses, you can tell that he warms to her more and more. And then by the end of it, like you said, they kind of got this bond immediately and they go off then for like the rest of uh, whatever it was like. Um, uh, so what is this? This series eight, wasn't it? series eight yeah so yeah you know we've then got like many many stories and hours after this of those two being really good together mm. so yeah it's um yeah i like it for those two reasons it's got that very even though it's in color it still to me has that very very old classic who feel to it yeah definitely um, does yeah with the limitations in the technology and the production and also just some of the um some of the acting as well. The, the acting feels very uh, sort of um, Troutony, Hartnell era um, supporting cast. It feels very much like old English, very proper. Um, if I close my eyes and watch this episode, it's definitely in black and white for sure when I close my eyes. Um, and I love that about it. I absolutely love it. And then the story is not too, story is not too bad either, to be honest with you. It's, um, it's, uh, it, it kind of, I don't know, it kind of kicks off. Um, it, so with the Autons themselves, it, it kind of kicks off almost like, a. I mean, what I just said about this being classic and everything like that, the Autons, for me, they feel like a modern monster. Um, and I'm not talking about seeing them in rows and the, the Eccleston story. I'm just talking about their the, the concept and their whole because it's it's not just um, a, a monster in a rubber suit knocking about or you know an alien you know that looks awful. Um, they've actually got some some threat about them, and they've actually got and I think it's because um, they're sort of layered in two parts where you've got the Nestine consciousness that's like the main thing and that's sort of intertwined with the master's story throughout throughout it and then you've got the actual plastic dummies or whatever it is themselves um it's kind of layered really nicely so you've got this whole you've always got this kind of um pressure mounting up on the doctor's shoulders because he has to figure out exactly what the master's up to he doesn't really know what's going on there then he has to figure out this whole it's got a bit of sort of sciencey, physicsy thing going on where he's figuring out the plastics and then the daffodils and the yes. thing that gets sprayed onto Joe's face. And uh, so it's got that really cool, the, the way they kick off this new series. And a lot of people do say it's kind of, it's like a very, very soft reboot 
already of Pertwee's era. Like Series Seven's meant to be a very mm. experimental, I suppose. Um, sort of finding out where they wanted to go with the show. And then when Series 8 lands, it's very much a right. We're kind of mostly happy with what we did in Series 7, but we want to correct a few things. And now this is like proper Doctor Who moving forward. So they kick off that as well. So, um, yeah. I think bringing the master into it does give that template, doesn't it? Because, you know, he yeah. becomes such a integral part of the Pertwee era from now on, the master. Yes. Yeah. 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 And that's what I was going to uh, come on to. It's, um, it feels like a bunch of stuff is established from this episode onwards, yeah. doesn't it? Um, like the whole um, doctor being a tinkerer, um, a proper tinkerer and repairer and all that stuff, a detective, which is really good. That formula has been sort of set in stone from this point onwards, I would say, um, like properly. And then we have the Autons, but then, yeah, that whole thing around the other Time Lords, like this feels very like, expanded universe in a way because mm. we hear the doctor talking about time lords and stuff like that we don't have that huge mess of crap to deal with yet we don't have all the time war stuff we don't have the timeless child all of that gump we're just free of all that stuff yeah. for a while but we do have those really cool little nuggets of the master dropping in we have that other time lord that rocks up in the bowler hat. oh again and you forgot about him yeah that was strange wasn't it yeah yeah so it really does feel like from this point onwards we, we, we kind of have a sort of a not a second bite at the cherry but you know a really good excuse to sort of lay a, a good foundation for some cool stuff that would happen with those characters and those those monsters from here on in so yeah i've got a lot of respect and a lot of love for this one mate overall yeah yeah, no, it's true. I, I think the thing with the master is you're right. It's um, you're bringing this character that obviously the doctor knows, but we're meeting him for the first time, and you instantly get that they're almost equals, aren't they, in their intelligence, just just on different sides of the coin. Yeah, basically. And but what I love about it is that the this sort of cat and mouse thing that they build up between the two instantly, like the master, you know, could easily kill the doctor. He keeps setting these traps, but he's actually delighted when he escapes. It's you know, I think he even says, then as soon as he kills the doctor, the fun's over. Really, it's all about the sort of just the teasing and you know the the thought that he might and he could. Um, and the doctor, if you notice, when the master escapes at the end, it's a lovely subtle smile from Pertwee as he's driving off. The doctor just loves the fact the master's actually got away. Um, and that end line that he says, um, you know, she says, "Aren't you worried?" Joe says, "Aren't you worried that the master's out there?" And He's like, no, I'm actually rather looking forward to it. And I, I thought that is perfection because so are we. We can't wait to see more of this Doctor and the Master because, like I said, they're only really in one scene pretty much together in this and they're electric together. But even when they're not together, the two characters, Sir Doctor and the Master, are just, you can't take your eyes off the screen when either of those are on it. They're just absolutely <laughs> brilliant. And uh, yeah, it's a good story. Like you said, it, it's a simple story, you know, Earth Invasion, all that sort of stuff. But the way that they bring in these new characters and use them in the story really, really makes it an enjoyable watch. Um, and introducing the new characters of Joe, the master, and, and of course, Yates, I again forget it's his first story, um, you know, bringing in this sort of new sort of template for, you know, what will become the sort of third Doctor era. Uh, mm. Yeah, it's a great start to it. Yeah, I really loved it. Um, it's, it's, you know, uh, like you said, it's um, it's got a couple of moments in it which are pretty horror like uh, it pushes the boundaries a bit i mean for for back in the day i mean now 
you know, you probably wouldn't think anything of it. Kids wouldn't even bat an eyelid at some of the stuff that was going on in this. But, you know, back then in 1971, having policemen having their faces ripped off to reveal a, you know, an auton and um, killer daffodils and the bit with <laughs> Joe when she has that thing put over her mouth and she can't breathe. They're quite horrific moments. You know, the killer, the killer chair. I love the killer plastic <laughs> chair. Um, all this stuff, you know, it's it's pretty pretty heavy for the mm-hmm. time it was made and it, it but it works brilliantly i think it, you know barry Letts um and terence dicks uh they they knew how to produce you know they knew kind of how to get the get the line just right between what they could get away with i think and mm-hmm. push the boundaries yeah it's but it's a really good fun watch i, I just loved it from start to finish really 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 did yeah and it's that good old-fashioned um uh, behind the sofa mentality it is. With this, yeah yeah you're right yeah. that classic when you say doctor who classic got two behind the sofa mm-hmm. yeah absolutely this is one of those stories isn't it yeah um the cs the cso thing you mentioned it's weird it there is a lot in it but not as much as i remembered i because i do when i think of this story like if i think of spearhead from space i think yeah it's all on film it looks great it's a lot of location work when i think of terror of the autumns i do think of um CSO I immediately think oh yeah there's a lot of CSO in that one Mm -hmm. um but it's not as bad as I remembered and it didn't really distract me from so the bit I often think is really in my mind often think is really bad but when I watched it again last night it's actually is not as bad as I thought is the bit in the um with the killer doll you know when she's in the kitchen and and the killer doll (laughs) kills the owner of the factory I always remember that looking terrible when I first watched this but although it doesn't look great there is a charm to it like you said it just i thought yeah that kind of it still kind of works you know the kitchen cso is kind of it's slightly out of proportion so she they, they've not quite matched up the proportions right so the the sink looks massive behind her and stuff like that but it's only on screen for like a couple of seconds um mm-hmm. and it's quite a it's quite a scary scene as well isn't it you know her scream is fantastic it totally sells it it's um, great yeah that little doll's pretty creepy as well it's horrible. Yeah. It's, it's a, in a, I mean, I absolutely love it because it looks horrific. But um, I would genuinely, if I had one of those in the house, and I, I do know someone who's actually got a, a full-size one, oh, I God. could not sleep with that thing in the house. <laughs> it's horrific. It is creepy, isn't it? Let's be it's, honest. But it's brilliant as well. Absolutely brilliant. The way it just comes alive. And I love this idea of, of, of something coming alive when it reaches a certain temperature as well. I thought it was a great idea that the way the master just throws it on the back seat and turns up the heater in the car. What a great idea. Cause you'll, you'll then the suspense is that you're waiting for it to activate, you know, it's going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, so I thought that was a great idea, but it's more interesting than the, you know, the sonar, you know, like the, um, the the uh, the second part of the story where they're brought to life by a, a signal uh-huh. that that's a little bit I, I found that less interesting but I think I know what I mean obviously I know why they did it because you know you can't heat up it you can't st- stand outside so I'm waiting for the sun to appear for something to come alive you know it's um it's a limited thing but yeah it works very well with the doll though when the doll comes alive I thought mm. it was brilliant yeah and like I said a lot of people complain about that stuff but. It's um, I mean, it, yeah. There's a couple of scenes where it's a little bit, like you said, the um, mm-hmm. they haven't quite nailed the proportions and stuff. But and the uh, well, 
Well, it was quite a new thing, I think, wasn't it? CSO back then. I mean, Barry Letts loved it. I think he was fascinated by what you could use it for. Um, It's a bit like CGI now, isn't it, really? I mean, I I get really fed up with the amount of CGI that we get in films now. I I think it's massively overused. And I think this is a sort of example of sort of like early CGI, really, that it was something new, it was exciting. They were trying to use it and see how far they could use it, you know. Um, And, of course, it it does look a bit dated now, but um, I think it's the same with CGI. I mean, I watched some of those early uh, Thor films. The CGI looks dreadful in some of those films and yeah it probably cost a fortune but you know you can't progress unless you try stuff and and move on so you know it but uh, yeah i think maybe they overused it a little bit um during the 70s doctor who but you would wouldn't you if you've got this new technology you're going to try and see how how well you could use it yeah yep absolutely yeah and it's one of those things where it it wasn't used in like 80 percent of the production they just no, used no, it no, in certain right. yeah they used it in certain things that you would you would naturally want to try and accomplish those things without having to go out on location to save yourself a few pounds i suppose yeah um but then yeah it wasn't like uh yeah yeah it, it wasn't like right we, we've we've got an excuse to use cso so let's just do it for the hell of it because it was it's still like underworld <laughs> where they use oh, the entire God. blimmin story yeah exactly that yeah so uh, yeah, I, I honestly don't mind it, mate. I think it's um, I think it's used pretty, pretty sparingly. Um, but they also did a similar thing. I mean, if you think about um, uh, what was the story? Um, the fourth Doctor story, where there's a very similar scene where he's climbing up. Uh, is it his oh, last one? Is it Legopolis? Yeah, Legopolis. Yeah, yeah. That's full of CSO, and it doesn't look that much better even then. No, not not particularly. No, <laughs> you know, so it's not like a, a huge amount of criticism can be laid at the blame of mm. of uh, the production on the on Pertwee's era, because even in Tom's era, it didn't look miles better. It did a little bit, but still, still a bit ropey. Yeah, they they mix it with you know in in this one, Terry the Autumns. There's lots of location and um and the sets are decent as well in this. So that you know, production wise, it it still stands up pretty well. Um, I think the picture quality that, so this is one of the ones that got junked, isn't it? Is This is one of the ones that they've had to restore the picture the best they can from sort of copies they found abroad. I think, am I right in saying that? I think a lot of this is, yeah, I think they've so. had to recolor yeah. a lot of it. So the, you know, again, that, that doesn't help. If you watch the making ofs on the DVD and you see the original, they show a couple of clips where they haven't been remar- restored or remastered yet blimey the difference is shocking i mean they they do wonders for these if you if you're looking at it thinking oh it looks a bit ropey go back and have a look what it looked like before they restored it it's <laughs> incredible it's almost black and white some of it um so given what they had to work with in terms of restoring this story uh they have done a very good job but it, yeah there are times when obviously they've had to color some of the filming and it does bleed a lot of the time when people are moving it's not perfect in terms of picture quality mm-hmm. um, which doesn't help in the C- cso scenes because they again look a bit garish um but yeah it's not too bad it didn't didn't bother me at all really um it didn't distract from from the story uh it's i think what really carries this though is is the characters isn't it because like you said the actual storyline is pretty much an invasion of storyline so it's not that exciting in terms of that but 
because you've got the master involved and this new assistant and and all the other stuff and unit coming in and doing what unit do it makes it a fun watch because of that really yes no to completely agree dude yeah yeah and it's one of those um did you reach for your phone much as you were watching through this honestly not at all not at all i can honestly say that i didn't i was just really engrossed in it um and i thought the script was really sparkling as well you know i love the scene when joe says to the doctor uh she did a level he said i thought you did did a level she said yeah i didn't say i passed all these little moments i was just loving it all that sort of stuff Mm. um but i didn't reach my phone once i thought pertwee was great he's almost a little bit heartless at the start isn't he he's quite tetchy um in certain scenes i i love the bit when some there's a scene i think it's episode three where some pompous bloke comes in and starts trying to throw his weight around and pertwee shuts him down within minutes he's like yeah i was talking to old tubby yeah. at the uh at the gentleman's club and i was in it oh oh were you i thought wow pertwee's um he's great in this absolutely superb but yeah a little bit he's a more touchy pertwee in a lot of scenes than we see mm. later on i think once he's sort of um got to know joe he softens a little doesn't he i think yeah. in his latest seasons but yeah he's he's superb in this but that's a great scene though isn't it it's great old yeah. tubby yeah i was chatting to old tubby <laughs> yeah uh, the, the good thing about um about pertwee as the doctor is you always feel like <laughs> For me, anyway, I always felt bad for for the third Doctor because he just constantly felt like he was miffed off with mm. um with the world, basically, because he's been <laughs> he's been he's been grounded, hasn't he? He's on Earth; he can't leave. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's been grounded, and most of the stories are a combination of him trying to repair the TARDIS so that he can secretly do the off <laughs> and. Uh, and dematerialize and off he goes and it never you know it's always something there's always a circuit that's busted or he's trying to repair something so you can tell that he's frustrated with that and then on top of that you know somebody wants to you know explode you know blow up the planet or he has to save the world and stuff and that never really goes to plan at the beginning because inevitably he ends up either getting captured or he ends up um back to square one you know he gets thrown in a cell a lot doesn't he (laughs) yes yeah yeah. And uh, yeah, and it's not until sort of the the climax of the stories that he saves the day. But then it's short lived. It was bittersweet, really, because once he saved the day, you can tell he's just got that. Oh, I suppose I better go back to trying to fix the old TARDIS. Then you know he's back yeah. to like, oh, here we go, grounded. To have to, <laughs> so I, I do feel for him because uh, yeah, he he seems to be up against it in more ways than one. Um, there's a nice scene where he, when he tries to um, escape again, isn't there? Which is a bit like... To, uh, so actually, it's a little reminiscent of a scene in Terry Autons, I think, um, in Spearhead of Space. Uh, yeah, where he gets the TARDIS. He's like, well, nice to, meet you, nice to meet you, Joe. Bye. And you think, where's he off to? He thinks he's going to just um, do one, doesn't he? But clearly the TARDIS is not having any of it. But that's yeah. quite a nice little scene, isn't it? So he, like you said, he's desperate to get away. He's got the TARDIS, but he just can't go anywhere. Um, yeah. Yeah. So yeah, it's that is quite a fun element to the Pertwee era. And there's a, and it wouldn't be a Pertwee story without, without the old Wurzel Gummidge face. Yeah. 
Oh, so, yeah, yeah, with the phone off. <laughs> <phone. laughs> oh, dear. When he's on the phone to the master and the master's got his little contraption that activates the signal and yeah. then the phone cord wraps Ooh. around him and he's got his big cross eyes, Wurzel Gummidge face, oh, it's cracking up, dude. Oh, I know, me too. It's funny <laughs> because those, when I first sort of started watching the Pertwee era, obviously I was a lot younger and those are the moments where I was like, oh no, why is he doing that silly face? And it used to sort of annoy me. A bit like McCoy in his earlier seasons. I used to think, oh, why is he being silly? You know, take it seriously. And um, But they've become the moments that actually I love. Uh, so when he did that, I was thinking, yeah, how brilliant. He's, you know, here we go. He's pulling the pulling the Pertwee face. It's brilliant. Um, he does the same, doesn't he, in Spearhead when he's getting the old tentacles around him. So, yeah, <laughs> I, lo- I I did laugh at that as well. I thought it was great. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was brilliant. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what did you think to? Um, so, yeah, I think we we spoke about Delgado, but he really did, in a lot of ways, lot like when they've absolutely nailed the casting, and I think they have done that with all of the Doctors thus far. Most of the Doctors thus far. You know, some doctor, they just hit the ground running and it's like, crikey, where did that come from? It's like, there's no warm up, nothing like episode one, series one of their era. It's like, bosh, it's like they've been the doctor for years. It's kind of the same feeling with Delgado, isn't it? As soon as Definitely. he lands in that first scene, he's just got that feeling about him. He's like, like he's read the script and he's gone, right, I know exactly what to do. I know yeah. how to do this version. Well, the only version at that point, I suppose, but I know how to do the master is going to be great. And then they get there and probably um, when they were going through rehearsals, I assume, or whatever, um, I imagine that Barry Letts is like, no worries. I've got, I've got, I've got no real kind of, you know, corrections for you or anything. Just do what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Because um, he did that for every single story he was in, like however many uh, episodes he was in, in Classic Who Delgado. It's just every time, bang. Like consistent, he's so good. Perfect casting, isn't he? Absolutely perfect casting. It's um the mannerisms as well. It's just not just his delivery of the lines, but the way he gets out, sort of straightens up, snaps his fingers. Just everything about his performance is is bang on. Um, yeah, and he is the master from the second he hits the screen. It's it's quite incredible, mm-hmm. actually. It's it's. I mean, for me, he's the definitive master. He's suave. He's evil, he's threatening, he's humorous, he's everything. Mm-hmm. Um, I think as much as I do love some of the other interpretations of the master, I mean, I like them all in different ways, a bit like the doctors. But mm-hmm. for me, Delgado will always be the absolutely definitive master. I just think he nails every sort of side of that character brilliantly. Yeah. Um, but yeah, he's, he's superb, absolutely superb casting. I think Barry Letts on it. It was, it was said straight away like i know who i need for this part i think mm-hmm. it was barry yeah yeah it was just yeah. said straight away delgado mm-hmm. yeah so superb yeah, great stuff and uh with the exception of a few scenes he never flusters either delgado's master never ever feels like he's he's losing control he's he always got that sort of calm which is even more unnerving in a way when someone's really calm and uh, they're not getting flustered. That's even more sort of alarming to me. And he does that so well. This is something I wish they'd do with the new series masters. It, it frustrates me, actually, because, you know, with Sims master and, and now um, Sasha's master, good, good performances. But I just wish they'd stop going with the crazy, you know, over the top 
sort of version of it. I, because when you watch Delgado's master, he's like you said, he's intimidating and scary, but in a calm way, he's just, mm-hmm. it's all bubbling underneath. He doesn't need to do all this crazy sort of head shaking and, you know, psychotic laughter stuff that we get in the new series. And, I think that that works well with Sim, but I, th- I just wish, and I do love Sasha's master, but I just wish he would be more like Delgado. You know, I'd like to see a bit more of the calm, calculating master that we got from Delgado in the new series. Um, really, yeah. but, I mean, as I said, each each one's different. I just I feel in the new series they've just made him a little bit too crazy. You know, he's, he's supposed to be an intelligent man, despite what he's doing, despite the fact he's evil. <laughs> Um, he is intelligent, you know, just a little bit unhinged. Uh, yeah, no, I'll read you, mate. I mean, it's um, uh, Sasha's master was he was great. Don't be wrong. He was, in fact, he was for me one of the better things to come out of series twelve. Yeah, series yeah. twelve. Yeah, he was one of the better things for me, and he had that kind of. Um, so I think because some bad guys and villains in pop culture have been that way for a couple of years now. If you think about like the Jokers from the Batman films have been very like Heath Ledger's Joker and, and then the other dude, Jared Leto and, you know, just some, some big popular villains have had that sort of crazy uh, scatterbrain sort of thing going on. I think it lends itself to that because it fits in popular culture for the time. But, I completely agree, dude. I'd love to see a master that's just really cold, calculated, you know, just basically a, 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 not a clone of Delgado, but somebody who has that same um, calmness about them and just has that real threatening nature. Like um, Delgado has that ability to be menacing through his eyes, if that makes sense. Yes. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? He doesn't need to deliver any lines to come across as really like, oh, crap, this guy means business. Yeah. He doesn't need to be saying stuff and, and being animated. He's just got that look about him. So I think it would be great once, however long Sasha's going to be in the show for, I think when they next introduce the master, <laughs> when, I don't know, series 19 or whatever, then, um, yeah, it'd be really cool if they had somebody slightly older and as a bit more, bit more classic Bond villain about them. Yeah, no, I would just love to see it. I feel like with, they've done the crazy... Because it, it worked with Sim because he'd got the drums beat stuck in his head. And it was that whole thing I thought was interesting. You know, the fact that he just couldn't stop hearing the drums and it was driving him nuts. And he was really angry a lot of the time. I thought that works. But when we got Sasha's master, um, I was just hoping they'd do a slightly different take on it. And I mean, he, he has done it in his own style and he is very good. But I would love to have seen him played it a bit more like this, a little bit more calm, just really unsettling rather than that sort of same, you know, manic. I keep seeing the, the bit for Ty's Child where they keep, he keeps doing that thing with his head where he's going nuts. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I just feel like it's been done a bit too much in the modern series. I just want to see, you know, the master back to being a bit more like this because I just think it's a perfect, you know, I don't want it to mimic this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, yeah. it's got to be its own thing, but, but just, yeah, take some um, influence from it, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Talking of hitting the mark straight away, I've got to say Katie really is superb in this because another one that she as you know i think she was a fairly inexperienced actress at this point wasn't she so yeah to, to get again to come into this sort of 
very close cast and just she absolutely shines throughout this whole story and she finds the character of joe very very quickly i think um i i just thought again she's absolutely found the character and straight away there's no i'm not sort of watching this thinking oh yeah you know you can tell it's kate's first story she hasn't quite got into character yet i think she's just charming and brilliant in this um straight away again i think she's just found the character um, yeah yeah no i completely agree mate she um yeah i don't know how much television she'd done before this but i'm guessing cause she's quite young in this isn't she i'm guessing it was you know early on in her career so yeah we're talking but she like, seems quite confident you know what i mean she did in her performance she seems quite assured really yeah um and this is like uh, like year one of her acting career she'd done a couple of bits before this yeah and then this was it this was her first proper sort of regular role i suppose yeah um yeah, but she's brilliant, yeah. isn't she? Absolutely, just delightful as as Joe Grant straight straight away. Yeah, man, she's she's really rocking and in the same way to um uh, that we just mentioned with Delgado. In a similar way, she's she's yeah. she's obviously read the script and she knows about. And I, I'm I'm guessing she was told and briefed about you know the role of a companion for Doctor Who and it's this and that and it just feels like she gets it. You know, she understands all of that stuff, but she at the same time she's putting her own her own spin on it because she's she's definitely got a good rapport with Pertwee and people like Nick yeah. Nick Courtney you know she's she's got that really I think it's because she's so nice and approachable and warming you know she's got that people just warm to her so it's very difficult to be I imagine if you were acting and you had to be annoyed with her it'd be very difficult <laughs> yeah um, so yeah she, she just has that really cool I don't know, like just a good combination of stuff. Like she's really nice and she's helpful and she doesn't take all of the doctor's nonsense. You know, she's not quite as strong as someone like, I don't know, Sarah Jane, for example. She's not quite as strong a character as that, but she's not really needed because the chemistry is slightly different with her and the third doctor anyway. You know, it's a different sort of thing going on. So, but yeah, dude, she's just so good in this one as her first story. She just, yeah, really good. She's totally different to um, Liz Shaw as well, isn't she? I like that. I love the fact they've given him a new companion. And whereas Liz Shaw was very clever, and I think they felt almost too clever. Um, you know, the Joe Grant characters, you know, she is clever, but she's not, you know, a scientist or anything. She's not up there on the doctor's level, which um, Liz Shaw was sort of halfway there, wasn't she? Almost a bit too clever. So with Joe will sort of ask a lot of questions, whereas Liz probably would know a lot of the answers so we're back to a more sort of um we're back to a companion where they're asking a lot of the questions that the viewers want to ask but but katie does it very well you know Mm -hmm. she's not stupid she's still you know knows what she's doing um but it's a very different character to liz shaw but i I think it works really well i mean I, i love the doctor and joe together i think they are a brilliant combination um as as they as they go through the different stories over the years Mm -hmm. yeah no, I completely agree, dude. And it's really nice to watch as well. Like as I was watching through this and each episode rolled along, mm. you just you just felt them sort of connect more and more as the story goes on. And yeah, it's just very cool to watch. She's adorable, isn't she, as well? It's something about her look and mm-hmm. just her on screen. Um, I mean, we were talking about the production a bit um, just now as well. And you were saying about some of the CG, CSI shots, um, you know, the, the sort of zoomed in a bit too fast or whatever. I... I think overall the direction in this is pretty good, but I love the first scene between the Doctor and Joe, which he first comes into his lab. That's a lovely first scene, but 
and this is a time thing, I'm sure, there are there is a few scenes where they're trying to film through whatever that gadget is that the doctor's got on his desk, and they haven't got the camera in the right position, so it, t- it seems to take ages for it to actually... They're trying to shoot Katie or Joe through the machine, aren't they? They're trying to get a nice <laughs> shot of her through... <laughs> But it's just it's not happening, um, and I felt like oh that should have been that should have been reshot because it's completely off its mark. The, the camera's not where it should be, and the object on the table is completely obscuring, you know, Katie's face for a good what feels like thirty seconds mm-hmm. um, before it actually gets to the right position. It's the sort of thing you'd get back in you know Hartnell's era, really, because they pretty much shot things. As, as live and they would only retake if they really had to you know we've moved on a few years now and retakes you know were quite common i am surprised they didn't reshoot that <laughs> um but it's probably a time thing isn't it they probably just said oh well you know the camera gets there eventually well it, you know it'll have to do um but it's a shame because it's such a lovely scene that first scene between the doctor and and joe it's just a bit distracting. You know the bit I mean, right? The camera's just sort of slowly yeah. panning down to try and find a... It just doesn't quite hit its mark for quite a long time, mm-hmm. it feels, but gets there eventually. Who did direct it? Um, uh, it was Barry Letts. Oh, Barry actually directed it? Yeah. Oh, right. Yeah. It went uncredited, yeah. though, because something around rules at the BBC, I can't remember exactly, but um, they weren't allowed to credit simultaneously somebody who directed and... Um, uh, screenwriting or something like that. I wonder who's actually, because um, I didn't think to look, I wonder who's actually credited. You know, normally they make up a pseudonym, don't they? Yeah. Um, don't know what it said at the end. I think because when the music starts, I was, I was flicking on to the next episode, but um, I'll have to have a look. But yeah. yeah, I'm sure, I mean, Barry as well, I'm sure he would have wanted, given the time, he would have definitely wanted to reshoot that, that scene because mm. he did reshoot something with uh, Richard Franklin when he felt Richard gave performance was over the top or something. I think at the end, uh, Yates said something like, we've got him now. And apparently Barry went over and said, no, we're, we're going to redo that because you know, you're too, that's too hammy. You know, you need to tone it down, Richard. Um, <laughs> so they reshot that, but um, they, they did. Yeah. Maybe they just didn't have time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, talking of, uh, not having to refilm stuff. So there was, um, do you hear this? The thing, this was on the, I think this is on the, the commentary. Um, the, the stunt, the stunt man, um, what's his name? Like famous, oh, what, ter- Terry Walsh. Terry Walsh. Yeah. Uh, the, um, they didn't mean to knock him off the edge of the, the cliff at the quarry. So, you know, yeah, that, I- <laughs> You must have thought the same thing as I did. There's a scene where one of the uh, autons is driving a car. Uh, sorry, yeah. no. Uh, one of the unit drivers, sorry, unit people is driving the car. Um, and uh, I think it's Yates. I think it's Captain Yates. Yates. Yep. Yeah. He's driving the car and he runs into the auton, uh, which is Terry Walsh, but didn't really slow down enough. Didn't really. So he really right, properly knocks him off. But they kept rolling, so they they follow him as he's going. What? And I thought when I watched it, I thought, "Crikey, he is hitting that ground hard!" And then he, yeah. just, he sort of hits his like uh, his shoulders, and it springs him up a bit more, and he rolls down a bit more. But then he just gets up at the end. He just gets up and legs it back up the hill. And I thought that is a that was a bloody good run for, for even for a stuntman. That looked yeah. like he walloped the side of the hill, and then 
Um, yeah, I think it's on the, the commentary. I think Barry Letts is like, yeah, Terry Walsh actually got rammed off that hill way too hard. But he was all right. He just shrugged it off. He just got up and... <laughs> it is. I must admit, I, I did think the same thing. I thought, blimey, because it, it seems to be rolling down that hill for ages. I think, God, he's really taking it. Yeah. You know, he's really taking a puddle in here. He's picking um, up speed he, as well. He, he really sort of flies down that hill. I didn't think yeah, he was going to stop. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't know if it's him uh, or another stuntman, but the person that jumps off the, you know, the tower right at the end as well, um, I thought that was a dummy. <laughs> but apparently it wasn't. It was a real person uh, jumped off the, you know, the big dish that they're on at the end. Oh, yeah. yeah. I was like, but it could have been a dummy. You wouldn't have known... <laughs> I can't believe someone actually jumped 40 foot off that thing onto a load of boxes. I'm thinking, yeah, it's crazy. Man, man. It's, so, yeah. it's such a quick shot. I mean, you would know if they'd have just chucked a dummy off there, honestly, you would have noticed. But no, someone actually did that. Uh, I mean, that's just back in the day. Health and safety was just not a thing, was it? No, you know, no. These guys, I mean, Havoc, isn't it? The stunt team. I don't know if they formed yet or if um, Terry Walsh is just an early version of it. But yeah, they, those guys just throw himself into it don't they almost love the they almost love it don't they like yeah yeah come on come and run me over there watch me jump off this bonnet of this car (laughs) you know (laughs) crazy they earned their wages mate back then yeah definitely yeah um let's uh rattle through a quick uh a few of the supporting actors then yeah so old um now i i didn't realize until i was researching this this morning i didn't realize this but when i was watching it i thought nick courtney's a bit a bit subdued in this one. He doesn't have his... So normally when he's in with a Pertwee story and so on, normally Nick Courtney is very much... Um, Nick Courtney is usually very much... Um, well, as he normally is, he's very firm, like very like that English military old schoolness about him. But there was yeah. a few scenes where I thought he's, he just seems really quiet, like he's not... Because some of the best scenes with Nick Courtney is when he's having bants with a doctor. Like, there's a really cool scene where they're having a meeting and the doctor's wandering around. Scene. You know what I'm talking about, yeah. So I do, exactly. Yeah. yeah, he's wandering around and he's like, essentially the brigadier's like, are we keeping you from something? Because this is quite important. And he's like, yes, well, no, I'm just waiting for you to finish, blah, blah, blah. So scenes like that are great. But the other scenes where... Uh, he, he's just not in it very much and he's a bit quiet in some of the scenes. And then when I was researching... Um, as we do, and just looking through to pick out anything that's you know worth speaking about. Um, apparently, Nick Courtney had like a real bad bout of depression. Oh, did he? Sort of midway through production, yeah. Oh, didn't know so, that. So yeah, so they basically re- rewrote some of the script so they could give him a bit of time off. Um, and then when he came back, apparently he was all good. I think he. Um, I have no idea what was going on in his life at the time, but apparently he just. Um, yeah, he just was down in the dumps for for a little while, and it, apparently it came through when he was filming, especially in rehearsals. They were like, "Nick, are you all right? You're right, because you're not really." I think he'd missed a few lines, and he wasn't quite on the ball like he normally is. Wow, I didn't know that. Yeah, so um, yeah, so they rewrote some of his dialogue and stuff like that, and just basically chopped out the Briggs involvement just a wee bit um, in like the the bulk of the story. So yeah, but I thought that I thought, yeah, he's normally like really on it. He's very, very shouty sometimes and all that stuff, but you don't really see as much of it in this one, but apparently that's why. But other than that, I thought he was still, the scenes where he is on it, I thought he was really cool still. 
Yeah, because I, I love that scene you're talking about when he's, the doctor's just, the doctor's sort of already two steps ahead of him, isn't he? So he's basically just letting the brig go through the motions, but but not really um, showing him much respect. <laughs> you know, he just can't wait to get on with it, can he? So, but it's a lovely scene between those two. But yeah, I, I'd noticed he wasn't in it as much as perhaps he normally is, but I didn't really think anything of it. But um, yeah, it's interesting. I didn't know that. Because mm. I love the brig and I love Nicholas Courtney. I, think, I always think... Uh, He's got that screen presence as well. Just again, as soon as the brig walks in, you know you're in for a bit of fun. He's normally got something to say. <laughs> He's normally going to uh, get a bit of lip from the doctor. So it's always fun when the brig's on screen. But um, yeah, apart yeah. from that one scene, yeah, I guess he's not in it as, as much. Yeah, just hadn't really thought much of it. What do you yeah. think? Because this is Yates' first story as well. Um, so obviously you've got Benton and Yates. <laughs> what do you reckon to? <laughs> To Yates, to Yates um, other than the funny he, faces, because uh, he was brought. I think he was perhaps going to be at one point a sort of love interest for for Joe, and then I kind of I think they sidelined that saying because they thought no, because there's this nice sort of dot, you know the relationship between the Doctor and Joe is nice. I don't think we really need to go down that path. But I think initially that's why he may have been brought in as a sort of a possible love interest to Joe. I'm kind of glad they didn't because I, I don't think that. Don't think it needed it. I don't think it would have worked. Um, but uh, yeah, so really, what this progresses into is Benton and, and Yates become a bit of a double act, don't they? Mm -hmm. uh, but what do you think for a first story? I mean, he doesn't get an awful lot to do, does he? Um, he's no, quite a nice really. character to have in it, but yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's great to see the whole unit thing sort of come Building. together. It's, yeah, it's cool. Yeah. Um, so the brig and obviously Benton have been doing their thing um yeah so yates yeah he is cool but it's a i just don't think there was enough screen time for him to to do much really um he does fluff one of his lines as well because it's it's interesting because you know the way pertwee worked where pertwee would um always learn the last word of the person speaking before him as a cue um which oh, is yeah, why him yeah. and pat Troughton fell out because Troughton wouldn't always say what was on the script so <laughs> It might not be the last words, you know, but we would always just go from when he, he thought they'd finished their line. So if you didn't say the line exactly, he was lost, uh, which is why him and Troutman were a bit you know, awkward to begin with. Um, so there's a little bit where I think um, Richard Franklin doesn't quite deliver the line on page. Mm -hmm. But Pertwee, so he says, oh, I was going to get some cocoa. He's supposed to say I was going to get some tins of cocoa. But he says, oh, I was off to get some cocoa. Um, so he says the wrong line. But Pertwee still says the correct line. He said, well, what, what were you doing going to get tins of cocoa? But it's like, that's not what he said. <laughs> so Pertwee's still delivering the right line and he's delivering the wrong one. But that, again, it just I just love the way Pertwee worked. He just is oblivious to what the actor's saying. He's just waiting for that one word to cue his line, you know, instead of actually like Katie, where she would learn everyone's lines. And if they said the wrong thing, she could quickly adapt to, to fit in with it. Pertwee just basically didn't would just learn his lines mm -hmm. and the last word <laughs> as his cue so i just thought it was interesting to see how pertwee works his different style of actor <laughs> so yeah, yeah. I mean, but that's you know it's his first this is his first story we can let we can let richard off he can't get you know he's still learning mm -hmm. can't give him a hard time yeah. for getting the line wrong and it's literally one word <laughs> yeah yeah and so. it's not like classic who isn't littered with fair oh share no of fluff that's what makes it great isn't it exactly that's why i love hartnell because he gets he, he gets maybe all the right words, but not in the right order. 
sometimes. Imagine him and Pertwee together. They would have been... Oh, God. They would have been disastrous, wasn't it? I know we got them in the Three Doctors, but <laughs> imagine if they'd actually had to um, work together with their... Yeah, it would have been interesting. <laughs> um, okay, so... Right, those guys. Unit basically done. Benson is Benson. Um, Spoken about Delgado. Um, what about um, old Michael Wisher? I was going to say, uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, as Rex Farrell. Yeah, Farrell Senior. Um, as expected, I suppose. Um, just sort of very grumpy, not having it, son ruining the business kind of vibe, really. Gets a nasty... Apart gets, from his, you know... Gets shot at the end. But feel a bit sorry for him because he's... The thing is, he's not a bad guy. He's just hypnotised, isn't he? But he, he gets um, gets shot at the end of the... So, I mean, the thing is, I mentioned Michael Richard because obviously he goes on to play Davros in Genesis of the Daleks, and he's absolutely superb in that. So I always find it interesting when we get him on screen playing, you know, a human being. Um, oh, he's fine in it, though, isn't he? He gives a decent hmm. performance. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, he's also in Inferno, isn't he? He is, yep. Yeah, yeah. So it's, it's good to see him out of the Davros costume. But, um, yeah, he's, I don't know. He's on another level under that suit, isn't he? Once he plays mm-hmm. Davros, he's just he's phenomenal. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's good to see him in this, you know. I, I do like the scenes of him and his dad as well, that friction of um, his dad being the typical old school, how dare you ruin my <laughs> company, like, you know, all that stuff I thought was quite good fun. Yeah. No, it was pretty good. As expected, I mean, like, yeah, you want like a, an old an old gentleman to come and sort of whip your son into line. He's sort of wrecking the business and brief, brief nailed, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, and then we had um, uh, the uh, what's his name, the guy that was that that creeps up on the master in the circus. Oh, him. What's yeah, his name? About uh, him. What's his name? You're on about the uh, circus owner, or whatever. Yeah, he was. yeah, with a little. He's got the little was, bowler hat on, and yeah, he was a great character, wasn't he? Um, he gave Pertwee a, a load of stick, didn't he? It was brilliant. Yeah, loved all that stuff. <laughs> Again, just a really fun uh, exchange of characters. Uh, I don't know what his name was, but yeah, the circus owner. Um, that's an interesting start to the story as well, isn't it? Having it set in the circus. Mm-hmm. Uh, just thought that made for an interesting because that kind of. That's only in the first two episodes, isn't it? And it kind of gets um, moves on to different locations. But it's a good place to start. Uh, I don't know what his name was. Sorry, I don't know the actor's name. But, um, yes, he was good. Yeah. Um, That's the pompous circus owner. Yeah. No, he was pretty good. Because um, he stands up to the master early on, doesn't he? To, uh, yeah, he does, to, yeah. Um, yeah, tries to stand up to him. But then, obviously, we know what happens when that happens. Yeah. Uh, yeah. What's his name? Uh I can't remember. Uh, no, I don't anyway, know. The anyway. listeners will know who we're talking about. Yeah. yeah, it was good. And then pretty much the rest of the cast was like people playing the Autons or there's like some of the, uh, like the strong man in the circus, the guy that keeps yeah. the doctor under control, um, Roy Stewart, uh, a couple of policemen. So, you know, the rest of the cast, just very small part, non-speaking and stuff like that. Maybe that guy was called McDermott. Was that Harry Taub? Possibly. Just trying to yeah. wreck my brains. I think it might have been, yeah, the circus only, yeah. But. I have to say, the whole cast are good, though. There's nobody in this that stands out as, oh, dear, you know, he's not on the same page as the other guy. Everyone in this, even, like, the minor performers, they're all good, aren't they? Like, no one stands out as bad in this at all. No, so not it's, really It's good. a really good yeah. cast, actually, I thought. Yes. Um, I'm trying to think of what anything think? that... So, 
normally in my notes I'll put something down like uh, this scene wasn't great or the story led nowhere or pacing was off or whatever. I haven't got anything down that's... I'm not saying it's a perfect story or perfect production. It's not, but I haven't got anything down that's that's a negative, really. Um, no, I haven't. I mean, the only negative I had was the, you know, the slightly rushed ending, um, but it was still a good ending. It was, you know what I mean? It still had lots of action, didn't it? I didn't feel let down by it. Yeah. I, if, if anything, it left me wanting a bit more, I suppose, which is not a bad thing. Um, now, I was going to ask what you thought of the Daffodil Men as well, because... Uh, I find the Autons creepy in this story because of the dead eyes, you know? So that scene in the quarry when they rip the policeman's face off and it's, you know, running around. There's something about the Autons, this, they just look sort of dead, mm -hmm. the, the shop dummies. But I also like the Daffodil Men. I think they yeah. look creepy as hell. They do, don't um, they? Mm. Yeah, I sort of wish they were in it a bit more. Because, um, again, in my mind, I always think we get more scenes with them. But there's only really two scenes, isn't there? And they're quite short. Um, but they're quite creepy as well, aren't they? This sort of, again, it's the dead eyes, I think, on the on the on the costumes. But uh, yeah, I thought the Autons when they're in it, or the Nestine, whatever you want to call, very creepy. They were, especially the daffodil people, because they're um, like those. What, what was that puppet that was really popular? Had his own TV show. Was it Frank? That, oh that, yeah, Frank Sidebottom. Yeah, Sidebottom. Yeah. So they had those big heads, didn't they? Like cartoon. Character he wasn't heads. a puppet. Not a puppet, but you know what I mean. Like no, the big, I do know what you mean. The big yeah, head yeah. thing. And uh, yeah. they reminded me of that. So, But because of that, they weren't comical. They were really bloody creepy. Actually, it's weird you say that. Yeah. I've never thought of that comparison, but I totally get where you're coming from. Yeah, yeah they yeah. looked really creepy, dude. So, yeah. Um, yeah. But they didn't really meet their demise, really. They just sort of collapsed, didn't they? <laughs> so once the, Yeah, that's uh, what I mean. Yeah, they were creepy, but I wish we'd got a bit more from them. Yeah. Yeah. But once the Doctor and the Master worked together, which is cool, at the end mm. to get rid of the Nestine signal. They, oh, actually, uh, I suppose that's yeah. another little... And again, it's a very minor negative, but I, I, part of the whole wrapping up quickly, the Doctor convinces the Master like that, to, you know, that he's going to, you know, suffer the same fate. And I thought that's a bit convenient. That That was very... He changed his mind very quickly then. Mm. Um, again, it, it just wrapped up the story just a little bit too quick for me. That whole, well, they you know they won't distinguish between me and you, so you'll be dead as well. Oh, right. Well, hang on. I better stop then. I thought, oh, that's, that was you know, a bit quick. <laughs> uh, so, again, it's a very minor negative, but um, I suppose you could say that. Yeah, true. Yeah. yeah. Yep. What do you think of the music in this? Because I, I quite like it. Some of the music in the Purple era can be a bit... Uh, ear shattering um, <laughs> but the master's theme that little theme that they play every time he's sort of mentioned or whatever I, I love it I think it's really good no it's cool uh, uh, yeah you're absolutely right in the Pertwee era it's sometimes it's very sort of abstract and experimental the music it's a bit sea devils uh, I'm looking at you <laughs> yeah so I think Dudley Simpson really pushed the whole um, let's experiment with the synthesizer and the whole electronic sound effects yeah. sort of vibe for a lot of the music. But this one isn't quite there yet. It's still a little bit more traditional. Um, yeah, I liked it. It was a bit exper yeah, yeah, a bit experimental, but it didn't go into the realms of... Because sometimes I can't distinguish between music and sound effects in the Pertwee era. <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought it worked quite well at this. It is unusual. But I, I love the master's little, what would you call it, sting? Musical sting. His little th his theme, little, or, yeah, his, his theme. Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah, that's yeah. no, cool. Yeah, old dudders. 
Yeah, because we were quite critical of the his music through the the key to time, key to time series, weren't we? Mm-hmm. So it's good to hear his music um, sounding good. Yeah, literally. yeah, I liked yeah. it in this. I did. Yeah, yeah. Uh, anything else on your notes, dude? I'm just having a quick look. I don't think so, really. No, as I said, it's um, all pretty positive. All my notes on this one. I haven't really got anything negative to say. I I just found it a really, really good watch. Um, yeah, I enjoyed it a lot. I haven't really got uh, much else to say, really. I just thought it was a really fun, enjoyable story. Exactly. Cla- it's what I would call, I think you said it, hmm? I would define it as a classic who. I think, I think it is a classic. Definitely a classic, mate. It feels yeah. classic in every sense. Yeah. Right, scores. Scores on the doors. It's you to go. F- uh, it's me to go first. I think it's you. The studio first, I think. Yes, I'm going to give this an 8.5. All righty. Same. Same. Here we same. go. Same. Yeah, it's an 8.5. Oh, that's good. We're on the same. Yeah, I I won't go any higher just because of the ending and a few other little bits. But yes, yeah, great, great story. Very, very cool, mate. Really yep. good fun. Yep. So an 8.5 from me, 8.5 from Im. What did our lovely listeners think? We had three um, reviews in. The first one is going to be from Sammy Satine from Down Under. Oh. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satine here. So, Terror of the Autons. Well, what can I say? This is everything. Ruffles, the Brigadier, Joe, the Master. It's quite simply awesome. One of my favourite stories. I give it 10 plastic daffodils out of 10. See ya. A 10 already? A 10. Yeah, it is good. It is good. Okay, well, nice one, Sammy. So I knew that we we know that Sammy's a fan of Pertwee anyway. She loves she all. loves ruffles. Yeah, yeah. yeah so, une- uh, sorry, I was going to say unexpected, very expected score there from uh-huh. from Sammy. Thank you very much. Moving on, this is Seb Lane. Hello, Gary and Adam. I hope you're well. Uh, to this week, we're reviewing Terror of the Autons, which is probably one of my favourite Pertwee stories of all time, and one of my favourite stories of all time. Full stop. I just think it's absolutely amazing. It's got all the ingredients for a perfect Doctor Who story, in my opinion. It's got Pertwee. It's got Joe, who makes an amazing (laughs) first appearance. You've got the Master. You've got a great villain. You've got Unit. You've got just a very, very solid story. Everything about it is just brilliant. Four parts just fly by. And it just makes for such an enjoyable watch. I think I only watched it about a month ago. And I never remember it being that good, but it is, and it's amazing, and I love it, and I'm so glad you're reviewing it, and I really hope you like it, because it's one of my favourites of all time. So, stay safe, and I'll see you next week. Bye for now. Oh, Seb didn't like it very much. Oh, no, he did. (laughs) He loved it. Yeah, some more more love there from Seb. Thank you very much, Seb. And yes, we do like it, buddy. No worries there. Uh, Last audio review. This is Mr. Martin Arnold. I am usually referred to as the reviewer. Terror of the Autons. Oh, it's a classic. It's a classic. Such a good story. Um, really, really great. It's, a, it's just nine out of ten. Um, you know, I, why are we even discussing it? It's a fixed point in time, surely. Two great introductions for the price of one. The absolutely lovable um, Joe Grant, effervescent in the role. She's just a perfect companion, really. Um, top three, easily. And she's great all the way through her entire run in the show and it's um, which makes it all the more sad when she leaves really but that's a discussion for another day and then of course the super compelling 
dark genius that is the master, played by the um, seminal, seminally played by Roger Delgado. No disrespect to the other actors right up to the present, but you just you're not going to get better than this. It's great. This is a really cool story. Interesting to bring the Autons back. It almost feels like a a bit of a cheeky reboot, but um, I love it. Nine out of ten. Stay safe. Take care. A nine. A nine. Excellent. Oh dearie. Not a ten. <laughs> Can't all be ten. Can't all be ten. Yeah, thank you very much, Martin. Yep, and we completely agree. Uh, this is a defo classic, this one. And a good score. Thank you very much, guys. Uh, you guys went nuts on Twitter, so I'm going to rattle through just a few of these. Uh, DJ, Theta Sigma, uh, says, while it's probably the second best of Pertwee's two Auton stories, uh, it's still a classic and probably deserves to be given more appreciation than it often gets. Uh, gives it an 8.5. Was the other one Spearhead, I'm, I assume? He's talking yeah. About, yeah. Uh, I wrote to Jordan Shortman, says, really good. Autons are creepy again, but the real strength uh, of the story comes from the performances. Katie Manning fits it right away with the rest of the cast and is brilliant alongside Pert to be a great story. Uh, Jeff Waddle says, read the Target novel before seeing... Sorry, he said, read the Target novel before seeing the actual story. The Nestine itself and the Autons are much better in the illustrations. Not one of the classics, but still a good story with great introductions from uh, for Joe and the Master and a wonderful Pertwee Gurn as well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Blair Donnelly says, great intro um, for Joe and the Master. I loved how the Doctor wanted nothing to do with Joe, but just didn't have the heart to tell her. In the end, it's one of the best Doctor Who companion pairings. Yes. I uh, love this era. Can't get enough of unit. Eight out of ten. Nice. Sarah Louise, the running Whovian, says, uh, I... Really enjoy this story. It's part of my favourite classic Who era and a wonderful introduction to Joe Grant and the Master. Uh, the Autons are unnerving. Delgado is a dastardly master and the rapport between Pertwee and Manning, uh, between Katie Manning, is simply brilliant. Gotta love Joe's stunts too. Uh, John's stunts too. Nine out of ten. Nice. I think Sarah cosplays as Joe. Yes. Oh, yeah, she has. Is yeah. it Joe? I think I've seen her. Yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Millie McKenzie says the master Joe Grant creepy evil troll doll bizarre use of CSO horse trailer TARDIS deadly daffodils how can anyone not love this a nine out of ten mm. and she goes on to say almost forgot about the deadly plastic chair yeah Edward Gillooly an absolute classic that sets the template for the Pertwee era the killer doll is particularly memorable 8.5 nice. cool. uh, Nick H says some of it is great Master Joe, the Doctor, some nice film work, but the CSO is terrible. And it was a brave decision to dress up some Autons as police officers in 1971. Yeah. Uh, an 8 out of 10. Yeah, that is true. Didn't um, go down well. No. Uh, Morgan, our good friend Morgan. Uh, always love this one. I find it often overlooked. Lots of terrifying moments, such as the suffocating chair and the peeling face of the Auton policeman. It's a great introduction for the Master 2, along with Yates and, of course, the beloved Joe Grant. Seven daffodils out of ten. <laughs> Cheers, Morgs. Rick Moran says, I often wonder if this would work better as a six-part story. Uh, we have three episodes of terror with wonderful build-up. It feels as though they rushed through part four. Uh, you can find a few minor faults in a scene here and there, but even then it still stands up as uh, against any TV show of any era. The arrival of the master added to top-class thrills, excellent acting, cracking dialogue, and good amounts of action make this one a classic, an 8 out of 10. Nice. Another 8. The Universe of Who says there are some moments which feel slightly stupid, and it's far from perfect, but I really like it. Mm. Probably the best Pertwee story that I watched so far and have a soft spot for it. 
gives it an 8 out of 10. Brian Chapman, Terror of the Autons come close to matching the best of the previous series. Master is firing on all cylinders for his debut. Joe Grant's kindness and determination are matched only by her bad decision making. Yeah. An 8 out of 10. Lost on Gallifrey podcast. A great opener, full of scary moments and bold imagery. Uh, I remember watching on DVD for the first time and the moment the policeman gets back up after not being knocked off the cliff scared the heck out of me. Yeah, I bet. <laughs> uh, gives it an 8 out of 10. And then lastly, Dan Peters, a fun, action-packed story that showcases everything I love about the Pertwee era. Uh, Autons are creepy as ever. Delgado delivers masterful debut performance and Katie Manning shines as the scatty, determined Joe Grant. An 8 out of 10. <laughs> thanks for the Twitter love guys and then we had a few over on Facebook Aaron Moody says too bad they don't have an action play set for the Masters TARDIS lol maybe paint the Barbie horse trailer green yes (laughs) and that's all he says I haven't got a Barbie horse trailer but yes Toby Coleman says well this story has some of the most creative deaths in Doctor Who Mm -hmm. I mean asphyxiated by a sofa Anyway, I love this story. Joe is charming and the master is captivating. I couldn't take my eyes off the screen. Uh, it goes on to give it eight daffodils of death out of ten. <laughs> Charlie Turner, the people I represent, Mr. Podcast, can never afford to have too much plastic. Love Delgado, the best master to date, and it will truly take someone really special to beat him. The only downside to the story I can think of is mostly overshadowed uh, Autons, despite the title being called Terror of the Autons. And the short little plastic doll, maybe. Uh, it goes on to give it a 9 out of 10. And then lastly, Joseph Howarth says, God, the master ruling the world with plastic flowers. When this incarnation plots the world conquest, he goes hardcore with his ambitions, and you've got to admit that. He does, Joseph. He certainly does. He does. Uh, uh, even goes as far as to kill someone with a plastic inflatable chair. Uh, this story is so unsettling from the music the fact the master could be anywhere or anyone is just chilling a pity he disguises himself sillier later on the only downside is that the autons don't show up often enough and when they do they look goofy in appearance otherwise not much to say other than it's a favorite of mine a nine out of ten. Nine, nice one yes i haven't read all of these out it's quite a few and quite long on facebook so um yeah if you head over to our facebook page you'll be able to read and comment on those stuff but that's going to be it for um listener reviews and stuff thank you so much guys uh, i think it's safe yeah. to say mate terror of the autons getting a lot of love average score gotta be a nine out of ten yeah the definitely average. yeah it's yeah. nice indeedy right next week buddy what have we got next week yeah we're drifting into torchwood with an episode called to the last man to the last man to the last man yeah now what is i don't yeah don't remember what what is this because <laughs> we when was the last time we did a torchwood oh god uh, uh are we on series two i i genuinely can't even think where we're up to a torchwood yeah we're still on series two um this is oh god what's it episode three four? Oh right series oh, okay. two yep yeah um yes i remember this oh i can't even remember the trailer from the last the last um one we did you know they normally show a next time trailer yeah uh, i can't remember what this was about but anyway yeah that's what we're doing to the last man yeah i think this is a tosh focused one i i haven't seen it in ages but yeah I so what was the, the last episode was sleeper wasn't it Sleeper. oh that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Um, which wasn't too bad mm, yeah it was all right i can't yeah, remember what good. we yeah. rated it but yeah um crikey uh 6.5 for me seven from you that's back in june yeah, yeah it's okay wasn't it yeah yes Right, to the last man then, a bit of Torchwood next week. Um, so, yeah, 
<laughs> Let's wrap it there, dude. For two eighty one. <laughs> Thank you, thank you, thank you, Who fans, for sticking with us for another week and listening to us waffle on about everything Doctor Who. It's great to have you all here, as always. Newbies, new listeners who have jumped on board, thank you so much uh, for joining us. Long-time listeners, the grizzled ancients, thank you for coming back. It's been great. Next week for 282, as Adam said, we're going back to Torchwood Series 2 for To The Last Man. So give that a watch, get your DVDs out. Uh, I think Torchwood is on... Uh, iPlayer, isn't it still? Pretty sure it's on iPlayer. Is it on there, is it? Okay. I think so, yeah. So whatever format you want to watch it on, get it fired up. We'll be asking for your thoughts and reviews as always because we love to hear what you guys think about the story that we're reviewing. And uh, it's been great uh, talking through Terror of the Autons, dude. I've wanted to review yeah. this one for ages with you, mate. It's, uh, it's been a good one. Yes, definitely. Yes. So until next week, head over to the website, bigblueboxpodcast.co.uk. You can listen to all of our previous shows on there. Plus, there are links to go off to the various podcast networks and apps so you can become a subscriber. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. And uh, yeah, there are links on the podcast to those things. Or just do a search for us, the Big Blue Box Podcast. You'll find us on there. We'd love to have you as a sub. And if you've got a minute to leave a review or a rating, that would be awesome because that really helps us out loads and loads too. We're on the socials, Instagram, Twitter and Facebook. Links are on the website. Come and uh, drop a like and uh, a follow over there. We chat and waffle more Doctor Who throughout the week in between shows. And we have a free Discord server too. Again, the link is on the website. Come and hang out and chat Doctor Who over on Discord. A great community building up over there. Lots of cool Who fans showing their collections, talking about Big Finish, talking about books. All sorts. Loads going on. It's very cool. Also, get yourself a drink, get comfy, get YouTube fired up, and go and check out my my co-host channel over there, The Geek's Handbag. Do you think they'll get me on Strictly soon? Maybe. Yeah. I can't see why not. I'll keep applying. Yeah. (laughs) It's a waste, isn't it? (laughs) The Geek's Handbag over on YouTube. Go and check him out. Loads and loads of video there. So new videos coming up soon, I hear, yes. on the grapevine. That's right. And Adam is on the socials too. Same name, The Geek's Handbag. Give him a like and a follow. Until next week, my name's Gary. My name's Adam. And remember, and...